0: was the last time you read the book of Ecclesiastes? It's not most people's favorite book. Some of it doesn't seem to make sense. When I read it, though, I, I see that it's just as contemporary as the daily news. You can really, especially in these days, if you hold it up to what's going on in our society, it'll make a lot more sense to you. It's profound for that. Um, Solomon, I believe, wrote that at the end of his life. I believe he wrote the book of Proverbs when he was full of wisdom and full of uh, zeal and passion. And he wrote the standard that he was going to hold himself to and he wanted the people to be held to. But then something happened in the drift. Something happened over time where he became, uh, though he was incredibly rich, he became very poor and he would lost so much of what God had given to him. He was still wealthy and he's still wise. But he's trying to get back to something. And uh, so I see the book of Ecclesiastes as someone writing from some place where he's been kind of backslidden. It's almost as if he was standing in the middle of the road, For oncoming traffic, waving his hand, saying, don't come this way. Don't follow me. The bridge is out. And for many people, they just keep right on driving by, waving their hand as if not seeing the warning. But there's a tremendous warning in it for us. It's possible to be so blessed and you have your life so full that it becomes empty and I think that's what happened to Solomon. He was so incredibly rich; he was probably the richest man on the planet. He could build anything, buy anything, do anything, and he did. He did all of that, and he ended up spiritually bankrupt, having lost the best parts of life. It's possible to lose simplicity in the middle of all kinds of busyness. There's some precious things that God has given us, and and uh, the blessing of the Lord. It's kind of like we're we're braced or we're prepared for some negative thing robbing us, some negative thing happening to us, but we're not really aware that there's good things that can happen to us that can turn. And That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to welcome the people from down in Delaware who are watching, the people up in, in Quinty. We got a, uh, a gal from Delaware with us here this morning visiting and Natalia is here as well, and they made it safe and sound. They're going to be visiting for a couple of days. But we're glad you're watching by live stream this morning. I have, um, it's not really a sermon. Uh, this is a parable I wrote years ago as a young disciple. I wrote it for me, I wrote it to remind me of, of the very thing that Solomon struggled with. I see a lot of parallels in our lives. And uh, so this this is not really a sermon. I call it the parable of Cherry Lane. And like all good parables, it happened at a time long ago in a remote part of the kingdom. There's a young man named Nigel, and he had an infectious grin and a streak of kindness that ran almost as deep as his love for God. It was obvious to everyone who met him that the favor of God rested squarely upon his life. He worked hard in a local blacksmith shop, but his favorite thing to do was to go out to a place where the black cherry trees lined this gravel lane. They laced together the top to create this canopy. It was dotted with meadows and had a beautiful, pure spring that ran, a stream that ran down the middle of it, meandered down through the middle of it. And he'd go there often to sing and raise his voice in prayer. And the deer would come out at the edge of the meadow, flagging their tail and cocking their ears to see who was making that sound in the meadow. At first glance, it wouldn't have looked like a very beautiful place. But its splendor lies in its simplicity. And it becomes more and more apparent the more time you spend there. He decided to call the place Cherry Lane. It was one of the... Spending time there was one of the happiest things that he could do. And it was often a place where he'd go and sort things out before the Lord. He'd go and he'd pray and he'd meditate, lay back in the grass, put his feet in the cold stream cry out to God. And it was there, during those prayer times that he'd raise his voice. He'd say, Lord, what do you have for me? What What is it you want me to do? He had in his heart to help people, and he wanted to serve the king. He also wanted someone to walk with him in life, life partner who would love God, love him, and love Cherry Lane. And he met such a gal named Nell, and he would take her down Cherry Lane and they would enjoy sunrises and sunsets and and uh, she loved Nigel. She loved the Lord and she loved Cherry Lane. One day at the close of a the day, they stopped at this old wooden house which sat at the entrance of one of the meadows. It was simple yet sturdy and it turned the color of amber as the, sun, the rays of the sun began to set upon it. It was one of those visits to the old house that now confided in, or uh, Nigel, Nigel confided in now that he wanted to live on Cherry Lane. And that's where he asked her if she'd live life with him on Cherry Lane. From their wedding day forward, they spent most mornings and many evenings strolling down Cherry Lane, praying and worshiping, bringing their plan- plans before the Lord as they watched the sunset together. Was on one of these early morning walks that now noticed that Nigel's mind was somewhere else. She asked him about it, and he said, "Well, I like my job as a blacksmith, but there's something in my heart. I, I have something I want more. I feel God wants me to have my own business to have my own shop. I want to help people, and I also want to work someday for the King." At that point in the road, they stopped at this little drive shed, and she said, well, why don't we turn this into a shop? And next thing you know, they're in, pretending where to put the tools and where to set the bellows, and they set their faith in it, and they committed it to the Lord, and they said, Lord, if this is your will, we want this. Shortly after that, on another walk, Nell surprised Nigel by having a sign painted that said, Nigel Smith. Blacksmith. She set it on the house or on the shed. And uh, it just seemed like an audacious step of faith in the middle of nowhere that they'd start this business. But they believed that God's blessing was fully upon them, squarely upon their lives. So they committed it to the Lord. In time, you could hear the sound of the hammer hitting steel. It began to echo across the meadows, and the deer would come out, flagging their tails and cocking their ears to hear what the strange sound was on Cherry Lane. Little by little and day by day, the sound would increase as wagons were brought there to the little shop to be fixed and horses were now grazing in the meadows. Nigel was a craftsman, someone with integrity, and word got out that if you wanted something fixed, You wanted it fixed right. See Nigel the Smith on Cherry Lane. There's always work enough to provide for he and Nell and their growing family. They always took time to walk down the lane with the little ones. Their squeals of laughter could be heard across the meadow as they chased frogs and caught salamanders. They loved to pick new flowers and find berries hidden among the sweet grass. He helped them climb the same trees where he once sat, reading from the old book. He delighted in seeing them splash around in the creek where he had refreshed his feet so many times before. Seeing their wonder helped Nigel recapture some of his first visits to Cherry Lane when he was in his own youth. And as the sun began to set, they would make their way back to the sturdy house, that sat at the edge of the meadow. One day, a big black, shiny carriage pulled up in front of the tiny blacksmith shop. The king's coachman stepped down onto the gravel lane, squinting at the shed, missing all the beauty of it. He opened the door to the king's messenger, who stood up and said, would you be the king's smith? And as Nigel thought about it and said yes, the exclamation point was the sound of a hammer nailing a new sign beside the old sign that said the King's Smith. Well, that sign of endorsement, that sign of favor, brought people from near and far. Nell and Nigel walked down Cherry Lane hand in hand thanking God for the blessing They sang a song of gratitude to the Lord. Soon, more business came, spread by word of mouth. They needed more help. They hired more men. The shop got larger. In fact, the old shed—they built a new, a new shop—and the old shed became the place just to keep the coal. From that time on, the hammers never stopped ringing down Cherry Lane, drowning out the sound of the insects and the sweet sound of the birds that fluttered above the, head, above the lane. All you could hear was the sound of horses coming and going, <clears throat> and the village people haggling in the lane, and the carriages filling the meadow waiting to be fixed. Even Nigel's own chariot could be seen hurrying down Cherry Lane, his wheels spurning some of the very stones that he used to pick up to admire. From time to time, Nigel would look up from his anvil, get a glimpse of Nell walking down the lane with the children, but he was too busy, to join them very often. Sometimes the kids would coax him away from his work and he would do it, but it was obvious to them that his mind was somewhere else. They were still thrilled with the, finding a new fawn, grazing with his mother, catching the sight of a trout, resting against the current in the stream. But Nigel didn't notice these things the same anymore. He couldn't remember the last time that he walked down Cherry Lane, much less lay in a meadow and put his feet in the stream. His children would pray for him as they watched him trudge between the sturdy little house and the big shop where he'd spend another night trying to catch up on a day's work. He'd also get up very early in the morning to get things ready for the men who'd soon arrive for work. They brought their own tensions to Cherry Lane, and their work was never quite up to his standards, but he was now too busy to do it all himself. Then one evening, as he was walking toward the shop, he heard the song of, the, of a whippoorwill. It was such an old, familiar sound and it instantly transported him back to simpler times. We'd often sit in the cool of the day, feeling satisfied with his humble life. It stirred his heart like nothing else, reminding him of quieter times. He stood in the same spot, deep in thought, until the stars come out overhead, Faint smell of the sweet grass hung heavily in the lane, which gave off a smell that he loved, and he inhaled and took that in. He realized, as he stood there, his heart began to melt before the Lord that he'd lost something—something something that had made his life rich, but somehow now he was becoming poor with each passing season he had lost something valuable on the way and he didn't know how to get it back he longed for simplicity right then and there he decided that he'd work to find his way back now felt the bed move as Nigel got up early one morning earlier than usual Rather than heading straight to the shop, she saw his silhouette slowly turning down Cherry Lane. She prayed for him as he entered the meadow, stepping into a wisp of fog that that shrouded the early morning, which mirrored the condition of his own soul. And he raised his voice, which sounded so strange after such a long time. And he cried out, Oh God, how could your blessing turn out like this? You've given me everything I've ever wanted, but surely you could never have intended this. Help me to find my way back to you and to simpler times. As Nigel wept aloud, the deer came out at the edge of the meadow to hear the strange sound in Cherry Lane. Morning by morning, he began to take time to be with the Lord, knowing somehow that this was the only way that he was going to find his way back. Even the men began to notice that Nigel's mind wasn't as focused on the work as it used to be. And sometimes he'd even slip away during a busy day just to walk and pray for an hour or so. Instead of working at the shop late at night, he could be seen standing out under the stars singing to his God. He started reading the old book more and more, even though at first he didn't find what he was looking for, but as he stayed with it, in time, it began to speak to him once again. He found the perspective he needed, especially from the words written from a rich old king who, even though God had blessed him in every way, had become poor. It was a, as if the king was asking Nigel these questions. What do you have to show for all your work? What good is having money, to be able to buy all the food you could ever want, but never be able to taste it? Is there not more to life than just working all the time? What's the point of building a house or having a family, if you never have time to enjoy them? Why trade what you already have for that which you never really wanted? Now you begin to realize the time down here is short. Before long, our work will be done and someone else will take the fruit of our labor that happened to whoever built the sturdy little house at the edge of the meadow. That happened to whoever built the drive shed, whoever laid the gravel on Cherry Lane. That happened to the people who had planted the shade trees. Someone else came along to enjoy it. All of this came down heavy on Nigel's heart like a hammer hitting steel, causing them to become more determined than ever. To work harder at simplifying his life. Now Nigel and Nell can be seen walking slowly down Cherry Lane as their grandchildren squeal with delight because they found something new in the meadow. They smile at each other knowingly the moment the deer come out to hear what the strange new sound is across Cherry Lane. I wrote this parable for myself. I lived on such a lane, big, huge, black cherry trees. The deer would come out when I would raise my voice before the Lord to check and see what that sound was. I could remember the sweet grass, the smell of the sweet grass. I never had a whippoorwill, but my grandparents did. And there's something about it that takes you back in time. I wrote this for me, I've only shared it a few times in public like this. But I needed a reminder that it's not abstaining from bad things sometimes. It's being able to manage the good things. that can crowd out the best things that God has for us. Too much of anything. I've met people, I've met people who have too much faith they don't know how to have fun. I've met people who have too much fun, and they don't have any faith. You can have too much of a good thing, and it can ruin your life. There's somehow there has to be a way to keep it in balance, keep it in proportion. I came across a section of Scripture. I read this last week from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And this is from the Message Translation written by Eugene Peterson. And this is what he wrote. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting upon you keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly i think that's a good word for us in this season i don't know any of us who isn't busy i don't know of any unemployment in our midst everyone's in business for themselves everyone's trying to do it all our lives are very very full But there's something about finding balance, finding simplicity that God wants for us so you can actually taste the blessings that he's put on us, that he's given us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we're such a blessed people. You've blessed us in every possible way. You've made us richer than kings from the last century. We're grateful for it. Help us to taste it. Help us to savor it. Help us to slow down in a way that you can satisfy. Our hearts need We crave more. We want more. It'll never be satisfied by itself. Help us to impose upon ourselves satisfaction. Help us to impose upon ourselves contentment. Thank you for what you've done. Help us to get to simplicity. Give us the wisdom to know how to do it. We need it generously without finding fault. Show us how, and we'll help others find it. In Jesus' name, amen.